This is episode 67 with Jamin Heppel. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. What a dude, what a dude, what an authentic, genuine dude. Jamin Heppel, actually before I tell you about Jamin, I'll just tell you a little funny thing that I was actually calling him Jamin before we started recording. We tried to start the recording a couple of times but I kept calling him Jamin and he had to correct me because beforehand I was actually thinking, what a name, Jamin. His parents must have been thinking he was going to be a basketballer or something. I was ready to talk to him about that, but apparently it's Jamin. So Jamin Heppel is an inspiring entrepreneur. Among many other projects, he's the founding director of Mountains and Marathons, which is for people who are driven, curious, and want to leverage their career to create a positive impact on society. He's also co-founded Game Changers Australia, which works with sporting players and sporting clubs of all levels to develop leadership and resilience in players and staff and improve local club culture. He's also the partner of his lovely better half, Jen, who I actually haven't met yet, but Jamin spoke so highly of her and the way that they are deeply connected and them running the mountains and marathons adventures together reminds me of the way my gorgeous fiance Marie and I live, you know, running a company together with the same aligned values and drive to impact other people's lives and live in alignment and to our own full potential at the same time. I absolutely loved this chat with Jamin and I couldn't help but think a few times, hang on, is that me talking? So in this chat, you will learn the power of experiencing your own rite of passage fundamental leadership skills, why emotional intelligence is your language of expression, some tools and strategies to help cope with stress, anxiety and other unhelpful energetic conditions. We also talk about mindset, some hidden truths of masculinity and Jamin exposes some true vulnerabilities that have become breakthrough moments in his life to help him get to where he is today on his epic journey. If you're a parent and you've got teenage kids or if you're a teacher or coach or anyone who works with teenagers, you will love hearing how Jamin talks about his teaching methods to that age group. For the rest of us, you will love hearing Jamin talk about his teaching methods towards all humans. You'll hear a lot of the same language, passion and influence from Jamin that you hear me talk about in regards to mental strength training. He really shines some light on how these skills can be influential at all age levels and in all domains. Listen intently to our chat and if you're keen, actually if you're committed to learn about yourself at a deeper level and build more personal resilience, learn habits, tools and strategies to cope with stress and anxiety, to boost your confidence, create clarity and understand your personal health and well-being better, then jump onto 
yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash coaching and check out all the info there. Here's a couple of short snippets from testimonials from previous course participants. So Alison, who I've mentioned before, was Telstra Businesswoman of the Year, New South Wales finalist in 2017. And she says, Brett's Mental Strength Training Course is a must for everyone. It is awesome. It taught me structure, processes, and practices so that I can use my mind to create the best version of myself. It was so good I'm doing the course again for a second time. The course is essential for anyone wanting to succeed in any aspect of their life as a parent, businesswoman, employee, athlete, or friend. (laughs) I love that Alison has now done this program twice and she's been in regular contact with me actually and said how good it's been even in this second round. We had Dylan say, I'm absolutely blown away with how much this program has helped with my anxiety and my mental well-being. Since starting the program, my anxiety hasn't hindered my personal or work life at all. Boom, Dylan. We've got Mick who's a school principal and part of his testimonial said, I would highly recommend this course to anyone. Simple, straightforward and empowering. So grateful for what I've learned and will continue to apply these techniques to my work, home and personal life. Thanks, Mick. It's great to see how Mick has now infiltrated some of his learnings into his classrooms uh, through his teachers too, actually. It's great to see the ripple effect from participants. So you can read more of the testimonials and also learn more about the course on the website, yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash coaching. And you'll hear Jamin mention in this chat that he works with a personal coach and he is a personal coach in these areas. That's because anyone who wants to enhance in any areas of their life, they engage in mentors and coaches and teachers to help them learn, grow and develop. Jamin and I kick off this episode talking about the awesome creation of what mountains and marathons actually is and we get right into the chat and then we really unpack his deeper why behind this creation. So stay tuned for that section midway through the chat because it makes you want to join Jen and Jamin on these adventures even more. And when hearing all about mountains and marathons, if you're keen to get involved with the upcoming New Zealand program that he speaks about, Jen and Jamin, well, we'll call them JJ, are giving listeners of Your Life of Impact $1,000 off any of the upcoming New Zealand mountain and marathon programs. So you can contact them directly from the website and let them know that you heard about their special on Brett Robbo's podcast and you'll get that $1,000 off. So the website is linked into the show notes of this episode. You'll hear us mention it a few times during the episode too. So once you hear more about it, if you are keen, jump on, check it out and you can get that $1,000 off. Now let's hear from the legend himself. Mountains and Marathons is a it's a leadership organization that's all about supporting people to level up in their life and leadership through taking on physical challenges such as summoning a mountain or running a marathon in extraordinary locations around the world. And what kind of people are getting into these adventures? Yeah, mate, people from all, all areas of life. And what I mean by that specifically is people who at a stage where they recognize that where they're at right now is different to where they want to be. And that could be uh, someone who's ready to take the, ju- the jump into an entrepreneurial pursuit and has been on that corporate pathway 
or that someone who has recently retired from elite sport and is looking for that next focus and vision for their life or that person who has recently gone through a divorce or some kind of really big life challenge and is looking for that transition and transformation to the next stage of life or simply someone who's just looking to level up in their leadership. It really is about inside of taking on a significant physical challenge, discovering for themselves how they can grow in character and discover more about themselves in the pursuit of fulfilling on that physical challenge. And what are some of those physical challenges? I know it's in the name, but tell us about some of these mountains and some of these marathons that people can come and conquer with you and and how it all sort of works. Yeah, for sure. So what we have is 10 extraordinary events that are in various locations around the world. And these events are marathons or summiting a mountain. And the way that it all works is it's a six-month training and coaching program that has all of our members take part in mindset coaching and physical training that supports them to be primed for taking on the mountain or marathon of their choice. Now, inside of that, each member can decide which mountain or marathon of the 10 that they want to take on. So, for instance, we have our first one, which we've just commenced, called the Patagonia Program, which is centred around the Patagonia Marathon in September of this year. Following on from that, we have the Queenstown Marathon over in New Zealand, which six months before that event, we will be kicking off the actual coaching aspect of the program, which starts in June to then run the marathon in December. And then after that, we have a mountain called Mount Brewster in New Zealand, followed by the Two Oceans Marathon in South Africa, and then summiting Mount Kilimanjaro across the Great Wall of China Marathon in China, over to San Francisco Marathon, Mount Drum in Alaska, and then over to base camp in Everest, Nepal, and then finally finishing back down here in Melbourne in October next year for the Melbourne Marathon. So... We've got these events literally in almost every continent around the world and very much about having people step into it and not just take on the physical challenge but really engage with this to develop themselves personally and discover what they're made of through the pursuit of of one of these challenges. So these six-month training programs, they're obviously done so I could be based here on the Gold Coast and have that next marathon in mind, but you guys do a lot of online coaching with me beforehand and then we meet up at the event. Is that how it works? Absolutely, Brett. Yeah, you've got it. So specifically, Jen and I will be on an 18-month, my partner Jen, and it's probably really important that I bring her into the picture because she is a, a critical part of the foundations of mountains and marathons. Jen and I are on a... 18-month journey around the world, summoning these mountains and running these marathons literally with our members. And we'll be providing the fortnightly one-on-one mindset coaching calls. Something that Jen and I acknowledge very early on in the pursuit of mountains and marathons is that we are ourselves not elite endurance coaches. Our domain is much more in the mindset coaching. And so we have engaged a guy named Michael Hagen from the United States who spent 26 26 years in the US Army, 16 of those in the Special Forces. Upon uh, being discharged from the Army, he moved into ultra-endurance racing, such as taking on 
Ironman triathlons. I think he placed third three times in the Hawaiian Ironman. And then he has since coached over 200 people to run a marathon. So we acknowledge that Jen and I weren't experts in that field. So I've brought Michael Hagen to be part of the team. And then also the area of nutrition. So Jen and I, we both live a plant-based lifestyle and that's not something that we expect of our members, but really wanted someone who could support us in in being plant-based and take on these physical challenges. So have a, uh, a nutritionist named Wilfredo Bonatez. Uh, he's also from the United States who partners with us to form the team of four. And so inside of the six months of coaching is the mindset coaching, physical training and nutrition coaching, as well as group support and group coaching, which also happens every fortnight, which kind of encapsulates the overall support team required to have everybody, every member who gets involved to fulfill on the mountain or marathon that they take on. What a great team. What a great philosophy and a great way to encapsulate it all so people can feel a part of the journey for the whole time and then meet up for the physical aspect at the end. I was watching a video of you talking about it online and you mentioned the rite of passage. What is a rite of passage? Thank you for the question. A rite of passage is, it actually stems from from Indigenous communities all around the world. And, and if we relate this back, and, and it relates to a lot of work that I've done prior to mountains and marathons, which is around the transition from one stage of life to another, or the tra- literally the transformation from one stage of life to another. And and when I say it stems from Indigenous communities from around the world, if we look at many, many Indigenous communities, including here in Australia, when boys or girls reach puberty, elders of the community would literally separate the boys and girls or, or take them away from their existing community and take them through a series of initiations that would have them emerge upon completing those initiations as a young man or woman and recognised as that within the community. And a mentor, a dear mentor of mine, a guy named Anna, Dr. Anna Rubenstein, did a lot of work around looking at what it is that, that young people and people in general need to move through and transition from one stage of life to another and distinguished that the rite of passage methodology has been used for millenniums to support people to transition from one life stage to another could be integrated to, or, or is something that is actually missing in Western society. And so, you know, if we look at how rites of passage played out in Indigenous communities years and years ago, it was all about supporting young people to level up in their depth of responsibility within the community and really serve in a, in a healthy way and make the world not so much about the individual but more about everybody else. And if we look at how rites of passage now plays out inadvertently within our current context, you know, we see it in young people in schoolies, where schoolies is kind of like that rite of passage at the end of high school. We see it with a lot of risk taking that boys and young men, that, that boys and, and girls take through their teenage years where, you know, they're kind of looking to push their boundaries and test their mortality frighten mum and dad quite along often along the way or we even see it in a more positive light we see it through the ritual of marriage you know where literally we have two people who are who are fiancés emerge on the other side of a ceremony as a married couple there's a whole bunch of ritual around that to transition from one life stage to another now if we put that into the context of what mountains and marathons is all about A rite of passage really is about having separation from the existing community, unpacking our own stories and unpacking our own identity and what we have determined to be who we are. 
then we go through some form of rigorous challenge. Now, this could be an emotional challenge or a physical challenge, but it really has us discover for ourselves what we're fully capable of in some realm of life. Off the back of the challenge, it gets us present to what we're really capable of and opens up capacity to really explore what kind of vision we now have for the world and what kind of impact we want to have, which then transitions uh, nicely into the reintegration, which is really looking at right now that now that I'm present to a new way of being and I've discovered a whole lot more about myself, how do I now directly impact that back into the community where I came from? In the mountains and marathons context, that's over a six-month journey where we literally then meet up as a group for a six to ten-day rite of passage journey centered around summiting a mountain or, or climbing a marathon, um, summiting a mountain or running a marathon. Or, you know, if we look at some of the other work that I've done, it's literally about taking boys and young men away to really uncover for themselves what it is to be a man or a young sporting athlete to discover for themselves you know, how they can leverage their influences as, as, as a leader within their sporting club to, you know, put that into, a, into, a, into practice to create a much healthier and stronger culture for their peers to live into. I love it. Now, before we unpack more of your interesting journey, Jamin, welcome to Your Life of Impact. Oh, mate, thanks for having me, mate. Super excited to be here. Now, we've been connected by a long-time listener of the show who I've also done some life coaching with from her base in Bahrain, the legendary Katie Jones. And I'm super grateful that my community have helped me connect with legends like yourself. And it's happened a few times now on the podcast, actually. So good. Katie Jones, a, a dear friend of mine, she herself is a dead set legend. It is no surprise that she's kicking goals and connecting with legends like you, Robbo, as she moves into her next chapter of life. But um, yeah, she's a, an extraordinary woman and having a real crack over there in Bahrain. Yeah, absolutely. Now, something else we have in common is that we're both from small country towns. You're from a small town in Victoria, and I'm from Cobar, an isolated community in western New South Wales. What's your little town called? Rob, I'm from a little town called Lean Gatha, which is an hour and a half southeast of Melbourne. Not quite as isolated as Cobar, <laughs> but mate, it, a very much the kind of community where everyone everyone knows everyone. You know your neighbour. Everyone's smiling and saying g'day up the street, and you know you're uh, you're not a stranger for too long in a little town like Langatha. Oh, mate, I know the feeling absolutely. It's a brilliant, supportive community feel. Now you've created quite an abundant life for yourself and some great organisations, and we obviously just talked about one of them there, and it's that's actually led you to mountains and marathons. But what struck me about you when I was researching for this episode was. Your attitude at a young age to want to help people and also about being in touch with your values. Now, the specifics was around the organization you created called Game Changers. Can you tell us about that and how and why that all grew into the success that it is, especially your experience in the senior sporting teams and the realisation of the clash with your personal values. Yeah, Robbo. I mean, growing up in Langatha and being the eldest of three boys, uh, so much of my life was centred around being an elite athlete, you know, and being being a gun at sport and 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 almost as a as a guy growing up associating with being good at sport, with being successful and making it in life. And so naturally growing up super competitive household and, and always aspired to be an elite athlete and specifically be the best at Aussie rules that I could be and play at the top level. And 
for me, as I stepped into my teenage years, I always gravitated towards various leadership positions. And so whether that was, you know, house captain or SRC representative or netball captain, basketball captain, football captain, I was always kind of like reaching out for those leadership opportunities alongside doing the best that I possibly could in my sport. And then it got to a point in time when I was uh, 16 years old and I really had a vision for playing at the top level and I knew that if I wanted to take my football to the the next level, I would need to start playing and training with the seniors. And so I made that decision and when I stepped out onto the track for the first time uh, at the age of 16, I remember so clearly just some of the derogatory language, like if I was just going to say, so I walked out and I remember that morning I finally had the courage to ask this gorgeous girl out. Her name was Liana and, you know, she was known as, a, as, as quite an attractive and a, and a and, and a very popular girl back home and, and I was just stoked that, that she was my girlfriend and I walked out onto the track and, I remember one of the older boys, probably around 22, he goes, Wait, Jamin, I heard you going out there with that Liana chick. Have you rooted her yet? And straight away, I was just like, whoa, okay. I'm like, no, no, I haven't. And they're like, oh, what, are you gay or something? And I'm like, whoa, no, look, no, I'm not. And they're like, what are you doing? And and in that moment, I was like, "Well, this is a pretty, this is pretty confronting, and this isn't, you know, this isn't the kind of conversation that I want to be in." But I'm 16, and all I want to do is play the best footy I can. So, as a 16 year old, I didn't really know quite what to do in that moment, but I knew that there was kind of a, a values clash straight away. Fast forward two weeks, I was at a social function and a few of the senior boys, they were having a couple of drinks at the bar and there was this one guy in particular, his name was Ricky, who the Lingatha Footy Club had recruited that year, star player, 21-year-old, super funny, super charismatic guy. And I just remember so clearly, he was standing with his back against the bar and four of my mates were standing around him and I was just observing the conversation from about five metres away and I saw him, he reached into his pocket he pulled out four ecstasy pills and each of my mates went in and took one. Now, in that moment as I was observing, I was like, geez, I, I don't judge my mates in this moment, but this guy is introduced illicit drugs to the club. Now, I know how widespread drugs are these days, but in that time, you know, Lingatha hardly had a sniff of it. And I just remember going, wow, you know, what is grassroots sport really all about? if this is the kind of culture that, or the kind of things that young people are being introduced to. And in that moment, I really, I didn't know what to do, but I was stirred up. I was, I, I got a little bit angry, but I didn't know what to do. And then fast forward two years, I was school captain of Link at the secondary college and I had the privilege of going on a, on a six day residential leadership program with no connection to the outside world, no phone, no newspaper, no Facebook, nothing. And it was the first time in my life where I connected with 60 young leaders from all around Victoria, aged 16 to 19, where we had 12 passionate volunteers who were facilitating workshops on self-discovery, learning about my strengths, my values, what my vision is for the world, what my fears are, what my trigger points are, and just really discovering for myself who I am and what kind of what kind of impact I want to have on the world. And I just remember coming away from that experience. That was literally my rite of passage. I remember coming away from that going, wow, every young person deserves an opportunity to do that. 
And as soon as I got back to school off that April school holidays, I remember going up to my mates and they'd say, how was your school holidays? And I said, guys, I did this amazing program. Like, you know, I learned about my strengths and weaknesses and, you know, did some challenges and met these great people. It was awesome. And they're like, mate, that sounds super lame. (laughs) And I was just like, guys, like, you you just don't get it. Like, hey, you've got to experience something like this. And you know, I was kind of like, yeah, you're right. So much of this leadership journey in that six days, it was so difficult to communicate to people who weren't there. And then I just asked myself the question, I'm like, right, how do we make leadership development attractive and sexy for young people? And in that moment, I recognized, what, imagine I could create a sports-based, a sports-based leadership program marrying two of my passions that ultimately leverages the cool factor of sport and also the influence that sport has on local communities to impact change on the broader, uh, across the broader community. And so that was literally the seed for the vision that Game Changers was. And, you know, it took me four years, I was 18 at the time, but it took me four years to, to uh, speaking with different people and mentors to finally muster up the courage to bring a small team of people together to, to found Game Changers and then move on to build the flagship program called Captain's Camp, which has since worked with 500 young regional sporting leaders from across Victoria over a six-month leadership program, very much centred around those residential camps where all young people go through their own rite of passage to discover you know, who they are, strengths, weaknesses, uh, and what kind of impact that they want to have on the world. And it's been quite a remarkable journey ever since. And fortunately, earlier this year, I had the, you know, the sad, the sad but great privilege of, of handing over the legacy of Game Changers to past graduates of the organisation to take it on in its next chapter. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of the history of Game Changers there, Robbo. Sounds like a lot of pride there with that handover too. It must be awesome to see those young ones that are coming through and graduated and then still be capable to be able to take it over. Yeah, mate, it's, you know, it really is. It, it's, it's a real testament to so much work that's gone in, not just uh, by myself, but a, but a handful of extraordinary people who have been really committed to what Game Changers represents. And, you know, I think sport plays such a crucial role within Australian culture and I think it does very well in some areas and there are some areas that really do need to be addressed, particularly around toxic hypermasculinity and, you know, to know that the the work of Game Changers has had such a profound impact on some of the graduates of our programs to the point where they want to step up and provide others with the same kind of transformative journey that they've had. You know, that's really inspiring and and to know that the work lives on independent of me is something that, you know, that means a lot and and it means that it can expand much beyond, you know, the narrative of Jamin being being the founder and it can actually start to grow its own wings and become far greater than it ever was with me at the helm. Brilliant. Well, you mentioned there before about values and the clash of your values and it's obviously a big part of what you bring into your programs. But I wanted to ask you how what's your view of how important it is for people to establish their personal values so not just these young leaders but everyone in society yeah Brett I mean it's such an important inquiry you know and I think many of us are kind of handed our values and 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 our values are kind of initially instilled upon us by our parents in whatever you know whatever our parent our experience of of being a young person growing up with parents just inadvertently values are just kind of handed to us and then we hit that stage of a puberty where we're starting to dissociate from our parents and then our values are very much shaped by those around us and our peers and independent of whether you're a teenager in your 20s 30s 40s or 50s 
taking that time and going through an intentional process to really get clear on what your values are really can have a profound impact on the choices we make and the habits we choose to cultivate to truly lead a congruent and values-aligned life. You know, I remember doing a values activity once when I was 22 and, and I, uh, I you know, spent 45 minutes sort of in a really internal and introspective state distinguishing what my values were at that stage of life. And I remember coming off the back of it, I'm like, it just sounds, just, it just sounds like I'm Jesus. And then, and then I'm like, well, you know what? Everyone's values are going to be displayed through their behaviour in one way, shape or form and actually to lead a life that is really congruent is about knowing what my values are and then taking the actions that reflect those values. And, you know, I won't say that I've been perfect in that journey all the way along, but I know that when when it feels right, then it's aligned with my values. And if something feels a little bit off, then it's a time to really question, hmm, is this aligned with my values and how, you know, what changes need to be made right now in order to get back on that path of alignment and be congruent. So really important, really important, Robbo. I feel like I'm hearing myself talk there. That's how I've made a lot of the big decisions in my life and it's how I teach people to operate to the power of actually not just establishing but also, like you said, living congruently and in alignment with and making decisions around your core values. Mm -hmm. You got it. So what about the man cave? We've uh, talked about the, the other organisations, the game changers and the mountains and marathons. You also established the man cave. And from what I understand, this is a lot about uh, emotional intelligence, intelligence and emotional literacy. So I really want to talk about that because I feel like this is a huge area for all of us humans to expand our lives in all key areas because we literally are emotions. We're energy in motion in, in every environment in our lives that we step into. You know, if it's it, we take our energetic condition or our, an emotional state, whether it's interactions with friends, family, colleagues, at work, whether it's in sport, whether it's in on our own and we're doing work or study or whatever it is. And that's why I teach in every aspect of my mental strength training programs. Uh, that's why I highlight it in chats like this and even in my coaching when I'm coaching elite athletes and uh, even just people if they're not training to be elite athletes just to become fitter faster stronger whatever it is I believe that the more emotionally aware and emotionally agile we are the more resilient we are the more present the more loving the more productive the more impactful the more quote-unquote successful we are so I really want to hear from you Jamin what does emotional intelligence and emotional literacy mean to you and how are you teaching it and seeing it unfold in people's lives? Brett, well, lot in that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> there is. That's why I just had to speak it as it was coming off my tongue because, yeah, yeah maybe uh, just whatever comes to mind. But I know that there is a lot into it. But I feel like that, um, yeah, anyway, I'll just, I'm just going to let you answer that. <laughs> Well, look, I, you know, I think the if, if we look at the if we look at the statistics of mental health challenges that young people face, you know, it's one in four now will experience depression or anxiety before the age of eighteen. If we look at boys in particular, suicide is the leading cause of death for men under the age of twenty-five, and so much of that can come down to the unhealthy 
stereotypes that are put upon boys and young men or and women in their own respect as to what it is to be a man or woman in today's day and age here in Australia. And inside of that, you know, we've got this education system that's very much around teaching that's around teaching knowledge and, 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 you know, textbook answers. But it's not actually about teaching the skills of life to be effective in, in relationships and cultivating that ability to, to distinguish what someone else's emotional experience is and then knowing how to be with that. And then also having the tools and strategies to be able to navigate our own complex emotions. And, you know, we refer to that as emotional intelligence and emotional literacy. And without an understanding of emotion, or a language to express how we're feeling and what's going on for us, we can get quite trapped in our own kind of sphere of complicated life experience. And so to create, you know, so the man cave really is, it's, a, it's an experiential, a powerful experiential program where we go into schools and work with year seven, year 12 boys around deconstructing, challenging, redefining masculinity and enabling boys to have lived experiences of cultivating emotional literacy and emotional intelligence. And, you know, what I've personally found in my own journey, you know, having having suffered in, uh, with my own depression and anxiety for five years between the ages of 16 through to 21 and, you know, without, to be to be completely honest, you know, with my own experiences of ongoing anxiety and, and putting in the tools and strategies to deal with that without having had a strong emotional intelligence and emotional literacy for myself, I know how challenging it would be would have been for me to to deal with the, the 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 challenges that I used to face and continue to face. And the thing is, as a as a twenty seven year old right now, connecting with so many young people in the schoolyard, you know, I really do see so how, how this plays out and and it really does have such an uh, a destructive impact on the lives of young people simply because they don't they're not being trained in how to recognise what emotions they're dealing with. How can they most effectively shift their emotional state or have conversations around how they're feeling and be willing to step into the vulnerability that's required for them to have those kinds of conversations? Because I don't know about you, Robbo, but for me growing up in Langatha, you know, talking about emotions as a man, unless it was uh, joy or anger, it just wasn't. It just wasn't part of the conversation. It just wasn't allowed. And so the man cave very much is around challenging those stereotypes and giving boys an access to sharing what's really going on and and cultivating empathy for one another. How do you find the response from those kind of programs? Because that's a pretty big, uh, like a big stigma to try and smash in those regards. It's obviously very important. But how are you finding the response in the schools and with that age group? Yeah, one of the key aspects of the program is it's all about experiential you know it's about giving them a lived a lived experience of a vulnerability and discovering for themselves the power of authenticity and to make it real one of the one of the 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 core activities we run is this session called the mask and this is where we'll have we'll have created a really safe space and developed uh, a really strong relatability with all the boys and then we'll hand them this sheet that it's an A4 sheet of paper where there's a blank mask of a face on one side and, and a blank mask of a face on the other side. They're identical. And we give them a couple of minutes to write down all the parts of themselves that they show the world on one side. And we call this the part, we call this the, the front of the mask. And then we ask them a couple of minutes later, we ask them to turn it over. 
And then we say, and we'd like you to write down all the parts of you that you don't show the world, parts of you that you hide behind the mask. And then we give them that space. And whilst that's going on, you know, I'll be sharing, you know, I hide, I hide my, my jealousy of my brother or I, I hide my, my fear of failure, I hide my fear of rejection, I hide pain as prompts to get the boys thinking about what is it they hide behind the mask. And when they complete that, we then sit down in a circle and one by one we have each boy share what they show the world and then share what they hide behind the mask. And I remember this one instance in particular with this 14-year-old boy, his name was Chris, and Chris courageously put his hand up to say that he, he – wanted to go first. So what do you show the what do you show the world? And he said, you know, I show that I'm happy, that I'm positive, I'm optimistic, I'm confident. I said, Chris, what do you what do you hide behind the mask? He said, I hide my pain and my anger. And I asked him, Tell me about your pain, man. He said, oh, I have you know, I, I cop a fair bit of a fair bit of shit when I when I come to school. I'm like, right, what do you mean? He's like, oh you know, just a few guys say some stuff and I'm like, so is it is it like bullying? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, I get bullied. I'm like, okay, who else in the room knew that Chris was being bullied and, you know, maybe one or two guys put their hands up. It's like, Chris, what's it like being bullied, man? And he's like, yeah, it really sucks. Like most of the time I, you know, I get scared. I don't really want to come to school. And I'm like, gotcha, gotcha. Who knew he was feeling this way? You know, and only one or two hands goes up. And then I said, thank you so much for sharing, Chris. Would anyone like to say anything? And then one guy who I'd identified as the alpha, the alpha of the group or an alpha of the group about an hour earlier, this guy, he was sitting about a quarter around the circle, he puts his hand up. I said, yeah, mate. He's like, I, I feel like I owe an apology. I'm like, what for? And he said, I, I've been one of the guys giving Chris shit for the last 18 months. I'm like, okay, cool. What is it that you'd like to say? He's like, I think I, um, I, think I want to apologize. I'm like, awesome, man. Look, here's your opportunity. And and, he, and I said, stand up, and he walked over to Chris and, uh, and he said, Chris, I'm really sorry, man. I've been giving you a lot of crap. I'm going to stop doing that. And then Chris goes, yep, I cool. I accept your apology. And he sat back down, at which point that just immediately breaks, the, breaks this sense of like resistance or anything that's going on in that circle. And all of a sudden the boys get really present to the power of being real and being authentic and getting present to the compassion that can be displayed. And so I can't remember the name of the of the, the guy who was bullying, but, you know, we acknowledge him deeply in that moment for the courage that he demonstrated for owning up to bullying, at which point we then ask, cool, has anyone else been bullied? A whole bunch of hands goes up. Anyone, who, anyone, be, anyone who's doing the bullying? And a few hands go up. It's like, okay, cool, guys, let's have a conversation around that. And... You know, Rob, I share that as an example just to demonstrate that that you know that isn't that is not an uncommon conversation inside of the man cave where we're constantly having boys share what's really going on and then having the rest of their peers really discover for themselves either how they're how they're impacting the quality of life of somebody else or how they can be of greater service in supporting their mates to be well and get really clear on some of the behaviours that they can take on in the classroom, in the schoolyard and also in their own personal life behind closed doors. So, yeah, that's just it. That's brilliant 
and powerful. And you mentioned there before, I can see where all this comes from, from a deeper perspective now where you, thanks for exposing your vulnerabilities too. And you mentioned there that between the ages of 16 to 21, that you experienced depression and anxiety quite heavily. Uh, I can see how you stepping into these environments is almost like a reflection to you to want to be able to prevent some of these issues for for those young people as well. And you also mentioned there that you still uh, experience some anxiety in your life now, but you have some tools and strategies. And I wonder what, apart from the emotional intelligence and, and understanding the emotional agility in your own life, what are some of the other tools and strategies that you use personally to help with your anxiety? Yeah, mate. I know that you're a, a big fan of ACT, Acceptance Commitment Therapy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's certainly a, a strategy that I that I employ daily. Um, I also engage in, in a healthy practice of, uh, of mindfulness. And then also... Mate, just really, really cultivate a, a capacity to recognise when I when I am being when I'm in a state of anxiety. Just distinguishing that this isn't that this isn't it's not who I am, and that through a, a practice of really concentrating on on my breath and really just presencing that I am safe and that there is nothing wrong in this moment, and that I am a, a, a competent and well-rounded human being. That has my flaws. I find that that enables me to, to to find a source of peace and clarity by moment when that anxiety shows up. And I think the final thing, Robbo, is sharing. You know, I have a I have an incredibly open relationship with my partner Jen, and inside this extraordinary community of people I have around me, where we do have relationships that that foster authenticity and vulnerability, where whatever's going on for me is welcome to be shared. Simply simply just declaring that this is how I am is often a way in which I can have some freedom from what sometimes feel like a lonely battle. And you openly talk about how Mountains and Marathons was created and it's on the website there and you asked yourself a big question when you're at your lowest point in July 2016. Was Mm. that that low point, was that some of this anxiety that you were experiencing? Yeah, mate. Well, I think what, what's, what's really interesting, man, and I've reflected on this quite a lot, is I have spent a huge amount of time creating initiatives that are designed to address challenges that I see our community facing that I'm really passionate about, about addressing and contributing to and having an impact with. And whether that's game changes and, and transforming the culture of grassroots sport in Australia or the man cave and you know, transforming the context of what it is to be a man in today's day and age and teaching emotional intelligence, emotional literacy skills to boys and young men. Something that something inside of this entrepreneurial pursuit and creation of these initiatives is I'd actually, in a way, and it's kind of it's funny because I haven't articulated this a hell of a lot, is I'd created my own kind of jail cell <laughs> in a sense where I was feeling quite trapped in my in, in my own creation but at the time it didn't actually feel like it was my own creation I felt like this really strong sense of obligation to continue to fulfill on everything that I had that I that I committed to and created in that point in time and when I got to my lowest point it was a really deep sense of, of despair of feeling lost uncertain about my future uncertain about how I wanted to the, the next quarter of my life to unfold. And it was a real kind of like quarter life crisis in a way. And in that, in that moment, I distinguished something really powerful, which was I am completely responsible for everything in my life 
right now. And everything that I'm that's occurring to me as a challenge, I can be responsible for. Which then had me sit there deeply reflective and go, if I could be doing anything in the world right now, what would I be doing? And literally within the space of five minutes, it would be it was I would be running marathons and climbing mountains all over the world and creating transformative experiences for those who come and joined in on the journey. And the thing about that was what I discovered was the work that I'm doing with Game Changers in the Man Cave is profoundly necessary. And I have served in creating a platform for the work to continue. And part of my next level of leadership is actually empowering others to step up so this work can continue on independent of me so I am no longer the bottleneck. And then the other part was, Robbo, was, you know, as I shared earlier, all I ever really wanted to be was an elite athlete growing up. When I moved into my 20s after having had four knee arthroscopes removing cartilage and two knee reconstructions was I put that dream on ice with the possibility of never picking it back up again. Yet there was this sort of deep, there was this deep part of me. It's like, you know, you've really, Jamin, you've really got, at some point you've got to test what you're really capable of. And I knew that there was something about me stepping into my into my late 20s, uh, having worked with thousands of young people around Australia, that I was ready for this next transition into the next stage of my life. And effectively, Mountains and Marathons that evening when it was con- when it was conceived, when the seed was, was created, was that this would become my next rite of passage, the next transformation and transition into the next stage of my life. And so that was almost two years ago to the day. And I remember waking up the next day and I made a declaration. I phoned 12 of my mates, including my family, and said, hey, listen, in two years' time, I'm going to be taking on this journey called Mountains and Marathons. I phoned my business partners at the time and said, hey, this is what I'm doing. And inside of that, it actually became the catalyst for really taking taking charge and taking action on ensuring that all the, 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 the legacy of Game Changers and the Man Cave could live on independent of me, which now has me proudly sitting here a month out from, from Mountains and Marathons with our first program, uh, the Patagonia Marathon, having kicked off last week, literally all spawned from this sense of me really taking responsibility for where my life was at and taking the bold actions necessary to bring a new vision to reality and have me take on this next rite of passage with my beautiful and extraordinary partner, Jen, enable the opportunity for other people to step into and take on their own rite of passage as part of their own mountain or marathon journey inside of our organization. Such a powerful question that you stopped and asked yourself there in that that tough time. And I know where you're coming from. I, had, I didn't ask myself that exact question, but I've been in that very similar situation and made a pretty big choice in my career and made a lot of change last year and in actually taking me towards this journey that's connected you and I too through the podcasting world and changing my direction a little bit. So kudos to you to uh, actually follow through with it and then understand that you, by sharing this even now, will allow others to sort of tap into their inner potential a little bit more. And I highly encourage everyone listening to to do those deep reflective processes and actually ask where you are in your journey and where you want to be, regardless of what uh, quarter you're in. <laughs> yeah, you've got it, mate. <laughs> now, you've mentioned a lot about leadership. Uh, what, what do you find, the, what do you feel are the fundamental leadership tools that need to be taught on in your programs? So a huge, 
so my, particularly with the approach of mountains and marathons, it's all about cultivating inner strength and inner character to then be an expression of our outward facing leadership. And so within that, it's a deep understanding of self and going through you know, incredibly intentional introspective practices to distinguish a, you know, what our values are and really asking the question, once we've distinguished what our values are, what would it look, what would it look like to live my most values-aligned life and how far off my current way or our current way of, of, of living is that from what that life would actually look like? Now, the other the other part of it is is really cultivating a practice of real honesty and authenticity, and bringing that not just inside the one to one coaching conversations, but really taking out ra- taking radical honesty out into the world beyond just beyond the intimate conversations that happen inside of coaching calls. And then I think the final piece inside our model or framework of developing leadership in others is really creating a context of leadership being about empowering others to lead. So it's one thing to do the inner work here, but then if it only remains with oneself, then it only goes so far as that individual. Whereas if it can be all about developing oneself to be better greater and more able to contribute to enabling others to step up in their own leadership journey and cultivate a greater capacity to be courageous and have those radically honest conversations and and go through their own practice of introspection. Yeah, that's like uh, Brandon Bouchard and the way he says it is, what if... What if the real power in being influential is actually the ability to be influenced? And I think that's that comes in alignment with what you're talking about there in, in the actual empowerment for others to lead. What about around mindset? You teach a lot around mindset. What's your approach here and what does mindset mean to you? Yeah, beautiful question, Brett. And I think, you know, I need to take that back to, you know, various stages of my life where I, you know, I really look at the times in my life where, where as soon as I was introduced to growth mindset and abundance mindset versus scarcity or fixed mindset, I've been able to source a lot from the moments in my life where I've been in great periods of flow and causing great results in my life and distinguishing exactly what it was that enabled that mindset to be so, the, the influence that having the growth and abundant mindset had on results and for me a lot of the a lot of the practice that we the conversations we have around mindset do center around practices of cultivating growth mindset and and abundant and abundant mindset because ultimately when we can take on the daily practices that enable us to step more into into those into those mindsets it gives us a greater flexibility and freedom to receive every every moment as a learning opportunity versus you know even if I think about times in my life and I know a couple of years ago for me I was in a really fixed mindset and a lot of all feedback was occurring to me as a threat and you know there was just moments where I was just constantly comparing myself to others and just feeling like everything was just a reflection of how I wasn't doing well in life when I was able to access, you know, through my own other coaching and, and leadership programs, enabled me to distinguish how I was in such a fixed and 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 scarce mindset. It enabled me to start to go, cool, all right. I wonder what would happen if I started taking on these daily practices to enable every moment to be a learning opportunity and 
ask myself the question, you know, what would, you know, to classic Tim Ferriss, what would, what would it look like if this were easy and starting to identify, you know, ways in which what, what occurs as massive problems could actually be resolved with, with, it, with a degree of ease and grace, what would that look like? And so, so a lot of the mindset coaching is around really unpacking what are the current daily practices and habits that uh, our members are currently taking on in their life, whether it's by choice or not, and then making those tweaks and refinements and introducing daily practices that can facilitate a shift in mindset to enable, ultimately to enable a greater quality of life for our members, as well as increasing results in whatever whatever areas of life are important to them. You mentioned there that you were alerted about your fixed mindset. Was that a bit of an aha moment to you? And do you see these kind of aha moments in the teachings that you do? Yeah, mate. If I, if I was to give a, a personal example, you know, a lot of it, a really classic example was the time when I recognized that in order for me to transition my life into stepping into mountains and marathons, the wave of work required to separate game changes and the man cave to then have me step into taking on mountains and marathons was really having me going, man, this is like such a big job and, you know, I'm responsible for so much here and how's this organisation going to live without me and, you know, what's the quality of the work going to look like when I'm gone and what if it all stuffs up? Like I was finding myself just so caught up in, you know, the how it's not going to work and how it's not possible and, you know, this it's not going to work with Jamin gone. And once uh, I had a coach really distinguished, like, Jamin, you have such a scarcity mindset to this you've got such a fixed mindset on how how this is you know likely going to unfold what would it look like if you were to if you if, if this would be easy what would this look like if you were to you know put leadership really into practice and empower others to literally step up and take this on what would that then look like as far as a solution is concerned and inside that moment and, and across the, the, the following couple of weeks, it really did have me recognise that. All right, you know what? If I were to, if I were to actually get the support that I need and have the relevant conversations with people who have done this before, and empower others to be the future leaders of this organisation, what could be really possible? And then, Brett, it it didn't become such this big, hairy, scary kind of challenge to separate from these organisations, but it actually become a really streamlined, sequential series of steps that was actually quite fun to execute on because it actually enabled others to get really excited about what was possible for them in their own journey and their own leadership. So I think that's an example of how bringing a, a, a growth mindset or a fixed mind, a growth mindset or an abundant mindset has really played out inside of my own journey, particularly in the domain of business. But if I was going to translate that into how mountains and marathons really leverages this, it's really about discovering what one is capable of through taking on a challenge that they didn't think they could do. And it takes such an audacious and courageous person to look at some kind of challenge such as summoning a mountain or running a marathon, granted it's something they've never done before, and go, you know what, I don't know how to do that and I don't know what that's going to take of me to do that, but I'm going to say yes and give it a go anyway. 
And I think it's a lot of the breakthroughs that come from mountains and marathons come from the kind of person who's willing to, you know, throw the rucksack over the wall and go, I don't know how I'm going to get that rucksack back, but I'm sure as hell going to find a way to do that. And mountains and marathons is very much about having people get present to what they can discover about themselves in the pursuit of taking on the summoning of a mountain or running a marathon that they've never done, that they've never done before and really look at the character development that comes through the pursuit of such an audacious goal. Brilliant. And where's it all heading, Jamin? What's your big visions and your big audacious goals with it all? Love that question, Robbo. You know, I really believe in the power of rites of passage and supporting people to transition or transform from one stage of life to another. And whether, like I said earlier, whether that's leveling up in leadership or moving through a personal challenge that you're facing, whether it's divorce or injury or that scary step from the corporate life into the entrepreneurial pursuit. Where I really see this going is is creating a global community of people who are actively stepping into and creating their own rite of passage journeys centered around physical pursuits that are designed to have them reflect on their own character growth and spiritual development in the pursuit of, of completing that physical challenge. And, you know, ultimately for me, I, I haven't shared this with many people yet, but I would love to be able to partner with an organisation such as The Summit, which is based over in the US. I'm not sure if you've heard of them, Robbo, but they bring entrepreneurs together from all around the world and bring thought leaders in to have kind of like a, it's like a cross between TEDx or a TED event and, and Burning Man. Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah, and it's literally this like eclectic community of, of you know, globe shapers. And to be able to partner with an organisation like The Summit, they own a mountain in Utah called Powder Mountain. And a dream that I have is partnering with the summit to facilitate the first ever Powder Mountain Marathon that brings entrepreneurs in from all over the world to come and run their first marathon and take part in a in a three day rite of passage program that's all about bringing extraordinary people together, having phenomenal conversations, and facilitating connections with you know people who are really out there to to shape the future of humanity and shape the future of our world. You know that's what I really see the the potential and possibility of of mountains and marathons doing in partnership with other extraordinary organizations. I can't wait to have you back on the podcast in the future when we're talking about that event actually happening. Absolutely. Don't worry about putting a timeline on it yet. Maybe let this other 18-month journey unfold a little bit more and you can create a bit of clarity on it and you can revisit it. <laughs> now, Jamie, before we wrap up, I've got a few general questions that I ask all my guests. So if you could spend time with any mentor of yours in the world, who would it be and how would you spend that time? So this doesn't have to be an existing mentor. It can be someone that you've previously had as a mentor or wished you had. Uh, It can be an influencer in the world, maybe someone that could help you with this new big vision of yours. Mm. Mate. So many extraordinary people come to mind when I think of when I think of this. Whether it's you know Tim Ferriss or Tony Robbins or Brené Brown or Barack Obama or Gandhi even or Bon Jovi, which I was a sucker for back in the day. <laughs> when I think about it, I think a guy who I would really love to spend time with and is is Rich Roll. And Rich Roll runs an incredibly popular podcast. And I'm not sure if you've heard of him, Robbo. But- oh, mate, I've listened to many of his podcasts. I know Rich Roll. I've been to one of his live events in Sydney. Oh, I know the man well. Oh, awesome, awesome. awesome. I, I assume so much. You know, Rich Roll, he's a guy who up until his, his early 40s was kind of just 
going going along with the flow in a pretty destructive way and then made a pretty profound life choice which ultimately you know transformed not only the way that he did life and and his partner did life but went on to impact has gone on to impact thousands and thousands and thousands of people across the world and not just introduce them to a plant-based lifestyle and the power of, of, of endurance sports but really enabling people to engage in a in a quest and discovery of their their own human spirit and i think to go for a, a nice long two and a half hour run with rich roll and just talk about life and talk about you know what what it is to lead a big life and an impactful life that would be i think that would be a pretty extraordinary moment in time to to, to engage in conversations with with such an extraordinary man like rich roll uh, makes sense to me when you mentioned that he's a plant-based endurance athlete i can see him coming on some of your your uh, mountains to marathons events actually he'd be a great contributor contributor to your communities there absolutely <laughs> i'm sorry i don't know him well enough to uh to be able to make that connection <laughs> i'll go and uh, yeah i'll go and meet with the guy and i'll uh, i'll let him know about this other epic aussie bloke that you need to be connecting with as well <laughs> there you go that's how it all works now what specific advice can you give to the listeners on what action they can take to become more impactful in their lives and in their communities you know, I think about this, Robbo, and you know, a couple of things come to mind. The main one is is that I don't believe to have a big impact in the world, everyone has to be an entrepreneur. I believe that we all have distinct and unique strengths and skill sets. And when we can discover for ourselves what kind of impact we want to have on the world, it's about recognizing how we can bring those strengths into practice to facilitate that impact. And the reason why I say not everyone has to be an entrepreneur is because many people have extraordinary skills that don't necessarily lend themselves to, you know, whether it's starting an amazing podcast or building a nonprofit organization or whatever it is, but actually contributing to existing initiatives that are phenomenal in their own way, having an impact on the world in the way that you want to see the world change. So I think it is really presencing one's own strengths and in being intentional about how they can add value to the community to create the world that you want to see. That's the first one. And the the second bit, Robbo, is, you know, I'm not yet a parent, but I remember I did a leadership program earlier this year and there were 12, it was with 12 men. And a lot of these men were entrepreneurs and a couple of them weren't. And I remember one guy, his name is Rich, and Rich was such an authentic and genuine man. And I remember he made comment, he said, guys, I just feel like I'm just not doing enough with my life. Like you guys are out there having such an impact. And I remember all of us rallied together and we said, mate, you've got two boys who have one of the most dedicated and committed fathers they could possibly ask for. The impact that you're having on the world right now is actually being the best dad that you can be because that's our future. And so I reflect on my own life and the impact that my mum and dad, Anne-Marie and Paul, had on me because they, they, they had such a, a relentless commitment to being the best parents that they could be for me and my brothers. And I think advice that I'm, you know, and I want to listen to this podcast in the future to hear my own words back because I have such a commitment to being the best father that I can be just because I know that so much of the future of our world is dependent on parents really being responsible for being the best 
that they can be to raise extraordinary young people in our world. Brilliant. I love that. Now, two-part question here. Where can we learn more about you? So social media, website, etc. And how can I and the listeners help you on your journey? So good. Uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity, Robbo. We have a website. It's www.mountainsandmarathons.world. We also have a Facebook group, which is Mountains and Marathons. And for anyone who, who is interested, you can connect with us on online on the Facebook. And again, would love to uh, to hear the stories of other people in their own pursuits in accomplishing amazing physical feats. And for those looking for some kind of life changing journey of of transformation that culminates in running a marathon or climbing a mountain in some extraordinary part of the world, would love to connect. As uh, this is going to be. Not for everybody, but certainly an extraordinary journey for those who are, who are up for the challenge and, and willing to take on something extraordinary. Love it. One of my top core values, Jamin, is giving, and I give all my guests a gift for coming onto the podcast. And I want to give you a gift that you can re-gift, and that's a pass into my mental strength training online program. And I say that you can re-gift it to someone because I feel like you're all over this area as it part of this we dive into mindset emotional intelligence goal setting and vision planning and so much more everything that you cover on your grander uh, scale of what you're doing with mountains and marathons and the other programs but maybe there's someone in your life that hasn't got involved in any of your programs that you'd love to see expose themselves in this content and grow from it maybe there's a family member or someone involved in a charity or something like that mm. Mate, thank you so much, so much. And uh, I've got just the man in mind. And and uh, I don't know if I'll disclose it right now, but that I'm going to. Oh, okay. Um, you don't yeah, have to. I'm just saying you don't have to, but it's up to you if you want to disclose it. <laughs> yeah, look, mate, I, um, the man's my father. And, oh, brilliant. Uh, my dad, he's been such a, a remarkable inspiration to me and someone who, you know, he's got a, he's got a physical disability where he can't, the left-hand side of his body has been shutting down for the last 20 years and he, of all people, would be one of the first ones to put their hand up to say, I want to come and climb a mountain or, or run a marathon with you, Jamin. And unfortunately, he's at, that, he's at a stage where he's unable to do that. But I know how committed he is to still taking on in his own way, shape and form, becoming the best, you know, the best and most resilient human that he can be. I reckon he will gratefully receive that. Uh, Rob Owen and I really really appreciate the gift I'll be honoured to have your old man in the program I look forward to sharing that time with him now is there anything else you want to say to the listeners it can be about anything at all or anything else you want to ask me mate I think that the one thing that I want to that I want to finish with is just a message of gratitude you know I think that I may I have the privilege of meeting some extraordinary people and will do so as I travel around the world. And I know that you do that too, Robbo. And you know, I'm just so grateful for a a platform to share about what I'm so passionate about and grateful that you're someone who has the audacity to share your vision and mission for the world and create other people with the opportunity to do the same. And I'm grateful for the other mentors in my life who continue to inspire and motivate me and challenge me to, to be the best that I can be. And I'm grateful for the courage that I see around me every single day with young people who are willing to, you know, throw their hat in the ring and share themselves authentically and stand for a world that they really believe in. So I think, yeah, it's a message of gratitude and encouraging others to really reflect on what they're grateful for. Jamin, 
You're a legend. You exude a powerful presence and an infectious attitude to make us all want to step into our lives with a little more passion and purpose. Keep shining your rite of passage light to the world, my man. Thanks so much, Robo. Absolute pleasure being here, mate. There he is, Jamin Heppel. Not Jamin. <laughs> Living congruently and inspiring others to do the same. Make sure you follow he and Jen and the Mountains and Marathons journey online and jump on and check it out for yourself to get amongst it. Take your rite of passage. Don't forget to contact them directly through the website and mention you heard about their special on Your Life of Impact for the New Zealand programs and you'll get that $1,000 off. And remember, if you want to join the Mental Strength Training online program and learn habits, tools and strategies to optimize your life, including establishing your values like Jamin and I spoke about, jump on to yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash coaching. You'll find more information there with a lot of the things we cover and you can also find my personal contact details there and reach out with any questions at all. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.